Welcome to the seventh episode of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about one woman's journey from marketing into CX and her approach to using digital and technology to support CX leaders to develop the much needed commercial acumen required to gain investment. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She comes all the way from Winnipeg in Canada. Her career began at IBM and she went on to hold various senior roles in marketing before making the transition into customer experience and setting up her own company, Amplified CX. She holds an MBA, is a three times best-selling co-author of books, including her latest, Women Leading, and is the go-to person for everyone in the CX community, including me, for help on CX digital tools. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Janelle Mansfield. Hi, Janelle. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Awesome. And welcome to everybody listening at home. Shall we jump right in? Let's go for it. Go for it. Okay. So I know that you started your career at IBM and you took a marketing route into CX. What was it about the field of customer experience that sparked your interest and how was it that you made your transition? You know, it kind of goes back probably almost 10 years before my IBM days. And that was when my dad actually had me get a job when I was 15 and it was in the food services industry at Burger King. And I just always gravitated to the roles that were customer facing and that were interacting with the customers. And I just always wanted to be the person that was making sure that they were having a great experience. And so flash forward, you know, 10, 15 years later, being in those senior level executive roles, I was doing the same thing, except for I was putting my hand up around the table and asking questions like, what about the customer? How does this impact them? Um, why aren't we paying more attention to what our customers are saying? And through those questions and through those, those roundtable discussions, I discovered that CX existed as a discipline and it was something that I wasn't aware of. I just thought everybody kind of had this role to play in managing the customer journey. And so when I found out that there was a discipline that was customer experience and that it should be its own program within an organization, I just kind of latched onto it. It just brought together all of my different interests and all of my different skills. Yeah. It's incredible how many of us actually started our careers on the front line in customer service and in customer experience. I I think it gives you such a good grounding though, right? If you've lived uh, on the front line of service, you get a much better genuine understanding of customers, but also employees too, right? Absolutely, because you can't ask an employee to do something, or I feel you can't ask an employee to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. And then having done it myself, I could always empathize with those frontline employees and connect with them more and understand what they were going through. And I knew that they had so much to share in terms of insights about the customers as well. So it was like this real natural connection between CX and EX. Yeah. Um, and I just picking up what you said there about um, not knowing customer experience was a discipline. I think I've had a really similar experience too. So I was, you know, looking at metrics and measures and things like training and employee engagement, but it all seemed quite sporadic when I first started out in head office. And it definitely wasn't a thing, was it? <laughs> it wasn't. And like where I'm from in Canada, 
um, we're always kind of known in the prairies to maybe we we sit back and follow until something is a little bit more proven and established in the business world. And I think CX is a good example of that because I know in the, the US or in Europe, um, CX is probably five to seven years ahead of where we're at in the Canadian prairies. And so knowing that, that is one of the things that inspired me to go out on my own was to help the prairies, first of all, understand what CX was, understand that it is a sustainable competitive advantage if you do it right, and to catch up. Mm, okay, so I've got a really quick CX geek question for you. Which do you think comes first? Is customer experience a function of marketing or is marketing a function of CX? So um, I would say that CX kind of goes across the entire organization and that every functional area sits underneath CX because marketing is only one component of the, uh, the execution of the target customer experience. Operations also has a function. Product development has a function. Your uh, contact center has a function. So I say that CX sits across the entire organization and then each mm. of the functional areas fall underneath it. Yeah, but um, it's not usual to see companies structured that way though, right? <laughs> No, not at all. And I think more and more we're going to start to see um, customers be part of every single function. So you may not see the CX team sit across, but you will start to see each of those functional areas understand their role to play in the delivery of the experience. And they will start to train their teams more. They'll start to understand the voice of the customer better. They'll start to build some of those traditional CX type skills, but they'll build them in each of the functional areas. And the really strong businesses will operate kind of cross-functionally and they'll all be more connected and marketing will understand the role that operations has to play in the delivery of the experience and vice versa. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. I don't think they have a choice. So um, these days you make so much awesome CX digital content and I think you're always on the leading edge of the the tools that are out there that are enabling us to work remotely. I know I've been absolutely in awe of you um, during the pandemic and how much help you and assistance you've given to everybody with things like Myra and Mural. Um, I was just wondering, what's your thinking behind your content approach and which are your favorite digital tools? Okay, so in terms of content, My content is often inspired by questions that I get from my clients or when I'm out there in the community having conversations about CX. So I figure if somebody's asking the question, then there's a number of other people that have the same question. So that's often the starting point for my content. In terms of the digital tools, I've always been an early adopter of collaborative tools, especially just Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like, there's this uh, assessment you can do about the type of culture that you, that you like to be a part of. And I like to be part of a purpose-driven culture. And so I always start with the end in mind and then figure out the best way to approach it. And so when like, for example, with the pandemic, I was already already using these tools because I'd had to learn to use them in previous roles where I was I was a remote worker, I was traveling a lot, and selfishly, I didn't want to travel more than I had to. So I had to master the use of these tools. And then the pandemic hit, and I just thought, this is something that I can contribute to the community to help people adapt more quickly Mm -hmm. and um, to be more robust and to build out their toolbox. And so one of the tools that I love is Mural, um, 
only because it was the first one that I was introduced and it always met my needs. So I never really had a desire to go and seek out any of the other kind of uh, whiteboarding collaborative tools. But I love trying new things. And sometimes you'll find that using these tools, you can actually do more remotely than you could in person. It removes some of the barriers. So you no longer have to wait for people to travel to come together. It saves um, money. And it also, you can actually work faster. I find I can run a collaborative session more quickly than I could, or sorry, I could run it more quickly digitally than I could if I was running it in person. Mm, That's interesting. Um, In terms of picking up on something you just said there about it being easier, but from a participant experience perspective, what kind of feedback do you get from them? For the most part, um, I'd say most people really enjoy using these tools once they've gotten a proper orientation. So I think it comes down to the skills of the facilitator and making sure that they take the time up front to help the participants get comfortable with the tools mm-hmm. and to just make it, um, you know, a fear-free environment where it's okay if you make a mistake. It's just about coming together and collaborating. And it also taps into the different learning styles because when you combine, say, um, like a Zoom or a WebEx where everybody can see each other, you can have chat going. Mm-hmm. And then you can also participate visually remotely. And so I find that those tools, it just taps into the different learning styles and helps to keep people more engaged longer than if you're in a, you know, a in-person session necessarily. Mm. That's so cool to hear that you were using all of this before anything happened. <laughs> Maybe you had like the foresight that um, remote working was going to become the future anyway. And it is now, right? Because for gosh knows how long we're going to be still kept apart and unable to do things like group workshops so fair play to you for um spotting that opportunity early on and also for helping all of us to get on board with it as well um so my next question was about um i know that you spend a lot of time with your clients coaching and supporting them through training what are the biggest areas you're seeing that they need in terms of development for cx leadership i think So when I think about training, I think the biggest gap right now is the actual application. So it's kind of like when you go to university, say you're going and doing a business degree or something. um, There's a lot of time spent on the theoretical and the frameworks. And where people tend to struggle is actually in learning how to apply it. So when I work with my clients, I offer a combined approach. So it's an immersive training experience. We always um, introduce the concepts um, by creating a personal connection first. So for journey mapping, for example, we would uh, do an exercise where they would journey map a personal a personal experience that they take on a regular basis, like getting gas or going to the grocery store or something like that. So that they create that personal connection and they get used to the concept of journey mapping from a customer perspective. And then we would go through and talk a little bit more about the the tool or the framework. They would practice it from a business perspective. So then creating that connection to the business. And then we do coaching afterwards because it's that application. So you can learn the theory, but you need the support in applying all of these different frameworks. And so those are often like where my clients struggle or where I get the most questions is on the application side. And so I don't know that there's a lot of programs out there right now that are really focusing on how to apply all of these 
tools and frameworks that we can teach in, say, a CX masterclass or a foundations mm -hmm. course. Um, so it's combining the case studies and then having somebody to kind of talk it through with mm -hmm. that I think people are struggling with right now. Yeah, I know I had exactly the same conversation last night talking about companies buying technology solutions, for example, that create all of this data for CX, but there's nobody internally that's then able to go, right, how do we turn that into action and actually do something about it? Or similarly, um, with the focus that's there on CX measurement, you know, it's really tangible to attach a lot of time and effort to insight and measurement. But again, like nothing comes from it ultimately unless you've got the business acumen and the skills to be able to say right we need to create these large-scale change projects and that relies on far more than applying a set of frameworks I'd say I agree um, <laughs> which leads me perfectly into our, our next question so we're in agreement that business acumen is so important and um, we're as frustrated as anyone else that CX professionals are in danger of being seen as fluffy if they haven't got all of these additional skills. As a woman with an MBA, I'm sure that really helped you sharpen up. But for those who can't afford the time or cost of that kind of course, what do you think CXs could do to develop those kinds of skills in business acumen? Any that's ideas? A, that's a really good question. I actually tackle this in um, the upcoming book that's coming out in a couple of weeks here, Customer Experience 2. It's the fo sole focus of my, my content is how to build that business acumen so I give guidance in a few different areas. And the first would be, um, as a CX leader, make sure you understand the entire business. I know it's so easy for us as CX leaders to always just go right to the customer and look at it from their perspective, but you have to remember you're interacting with cross-functional colleagues and cross-functional leaders who have different goals, they have different outcomes that they're responsible for, they're measured differently, and so to understand the entire business model, and there's a tool called the Business Model Canvas, which is widely used, and um, it's a really great tool. It tackles the nine different aspects of a business. So I would suggest spending some time as a CX leader, if you want to build your business acumen, download the Business Model Canvas and just spend some time kind of making some notes on each of the different elements of your business uh, from the perspective of the canvas, which tackles, like I said, the nine different areas of a business model. And then secondly, I always suggest to kind of eat a little bit of our own, our own dog food in that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice metaphor. It's a funny expression. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. Okay. So, <laughs> it's like eat at your own restaurant, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, in our CX toolkit, we have so many great tools that can help us, but we often use them with the customer lens. And so one of them would be an empathy map. And I would suggest um, identifying kind of the most influential roles within the organization and spending some time um, doing the empathy map for those two or three or four people in those key roles to really understand what's most important to them. How are they measured? How can you help them be successful so you can create that common ground? And I think where CX leaders end up being the most successful is when they help their colleagues be successful, when they can connect with them on that business level. Yeah. And so those are just a couple of pieces of guidance I would offer. Yeah, I think we can probably explore this a little bit further because uh, it's something that's really on my mind. I know when I was researching for my book, 
that the most frequently cited problems that CX professionals would talk about was the business just doesn't get it or um, how do I prove return on investment or um, I guess holding the executives accountable for not getting it but my opinion is that's our role as CX leaders to help them (laughs) to get it in whatever way they need it to be um, explained and served up to them so for me, I guess my first thing I'd do before I even thought about talking to the customers would be to listen to the business. Do you think that CXs that work inside organizations could think more like internal consultants as they're approaching these projects and CX challenges? That's a really good idea for sure, is to think like an external consultant. Um, and I think what external consultants are really good at, which is a skill that they could leverage is speaking the language of their stakeholder. And so I know where I've struggled when I've been around that table and been the one who's internal trying to advocate for customer experience is I was really attached to the language of CX. Mm. And you and I both know there's a set of vocabulary that we all use fairly regularly. And I think a big part of the disconnect in that situation was that I was getting nitpicky about the language and making sure that people were using the terminology correctly when it wasn't about that. And so I'd say we have to adapt like a consultant would adapt our language, adapt our approach, uh, communicate using different, using different methods or different channels Mm -hmm. and making sure that we repeat it in a multiple number of ways to ensure that they understand the concepts. They don't need to, always use customer experience terminology correctly or talk about the six core competencies the way you or I would. Um, It's about getting them to try to understand what we're trying to achieve and why it's important for the business to focus on the customer. I think that's a really good point. And I definitely remember my own customer experience myopia and obsession with trying to force fit the businesses I worked in to work in or operate in my view of the world from customer experience. Anyone listening, it, that does not work. <laughs> it took me a few goes to really learn that it doesn't work. Also, there's a huge difference between the conversations that we might be having on, I say, the ground level when we're working on all of this stuff and actually what needs to be elevated for the conversation that happens in the boardroom, right? So how do you think CXs can get more in tune with the C-suite mindset? Well, The one thing that matters to the C-suite is the dollars and cents. So I think wherever possible, and I think it's almost always possible, it might just be a little bit of heavy lifting on our part, is we need to talk in terms of dollars and cents. You can always equate something. You can turn customer acquisition or customer retention into a number. And so doing that work, instead of speaking in terms of what the percentage of retention is or percentage of acquisition is, do the work for them and convert it to the dollars and speak in terms of dollars and always speak in terms of dollars because that's what they connect with. That's how they're measured. And so I think it's a little bit of learning on our part and a little bit more work sometimes to figure it out, but to always be armed with those financial metrics. Yeah. It's going to make our lives easier in the long run. I guess if we can (laughs) be be prepared with that. Um, And I totally agree. My only build on that would be about like thinking about the organization's strategic objectives so how indirectly some of the activities that we do in customer experience can help to drive an outcome that they're 
trying to produce elsewhere, for example, with something around like strategy or data or brand. Um, because I think the other thing I see is the focus that is only on the customer or the employee experience kind of misses that. But you can package up exactly what you're trying to achieve for the customer and the employee using the language of the business and relate it back to strategy or whatever they're trying to achieve. And it's immediately accepted as a way to to help facilitate the achievement of a broader goal. But it is fascinating. Um, do you miss being on the inside? Sometimes. I was just recently uh, like a fractional CXO with a startup. And so that was really fun just being able to be in there in the weeds and knowing everything there was to know about the business and influencing the culture and ensuring that we were building a truly customer centric culture. So I do miss that. But I also do like being able to be exposed to different businesses, different organizations, different uh, business problems. Mm. So I kind of like both. <laughs> have one foot <laughs> one foot on one side of the fence and one foot on the other yeah. side. And I guess as this is the Women in CX podcast, I, I have a, one question about your journey and experience of being a female in business. I know you've worked in quite a lot of male-dominated environments and you sat at some pretty big tables where there weren't um, females were a minority. Have you ever encountered any challenges due to your gender? Well, for me specifically, because if you're familiar with uh, DISC, which is one of those personality tests, I'm a strong D, which is like dominant, dominant, direct speaker, a communicator. And so that works really well in a largely male dominated environment, I found. And so I've actually found the reverse where I've struggled more working um, where with largely female organizations, like mm -hmm. in the nonprofit organizations that I worked at when I first started out just out of university, I found that more difficult than being a female around the table. But that was because for me, I didn't have a hard time putting my hand up and speaking out. It was actually something that's held me back is how much of a D I am, how direct I can be and how dominant I can be in my communication style. Mm -hmm. So I've thrived in those largely male dominated environments personally. Oh, what do you think that was, was due to like your communication style hitting right to the point immediately, like men prefer to receive that directness or is it more, they respected you more because you didn't try to influence them. You just told them. <laughs> well, I think it was partly because I was confident. So like a D isn't afraid to speak up. So I was never afraid to put my hand up and um, say what I was thinking or say what needed to be said. Mm -hmm. So that helped me get my agenda or my outcomes achieved around the table. And then, yeah, just tending to be more direct um, less fluffy in my communication style, like really right to the point, worked well. Now, keep in mind that in those roles, I was working with like a military organizations that are used to that. Whoa. that I'm just imagining, <laughs> imagining you in the uniform now saying jump and they're like, oh, hi, Janelle. <laughs> no, I, I was a civilian, so no uniform for me. But <laughs> no, no, I don't have that one. Don't daydream of that. <laughs> um, but let's just dive in lastly then to this point around working with other women then. Um, what do you think the challenges were with that your dominant style? What did, did why didn't women appreciate that? So I think generally speaking, 
women are more in tune with the emotional side of it. And I had gotten, so I can contrast that my time with like working with uh, the Department of National Defense and then moving into still a corporate, but a more split uh, kind of organization where the gender balance, it was more balanced. And so I was bringing that strong D, that strong direct to the point, this is the way it is, this is the way it needs to be into an organization that was um, a lot more collaborative and wasn't moving so quickly. It was more about the relationship. And so that was a really, that was a turning point in my career was learning that I needed to adapt my style, my communication Mm. style, my leadership style to the situation. And so I thought, I'm a D, I'm just always going to be direct and that's the way I am and that's the way I'm going to be. And until I received some like really difficult feedback when I had made that transition to a different role, I didn't know it was me. And so as women leaders, I think sometimes we look at ourselves too much, but at the same time, I don't know that we look at it ourselves enough. Mm-hmm. And so getting feedback is one of those things that I really strongly encourage women to do is to seek feedback and to do it in a way where you'll get real feedback, not just, oh, you did a great job, you know? And I, I learned this um, from some workshop that I went to, I learned this like really great way to ask for feedback. You ask someone for the feedback and then you say, okay, now tell me, what is the feedback that you really don't want to share with me because you're afraid you're going to hurt my feelings? Because sometimes people need additional probing to get to the point where they're going to give you that really harsh, that really harsh, honest, vulnerable feedback. That's only going to make you a better leader, but you need to have it Mm. in order to be, in order to change your behavior and to move forward. So ask for feedback and ask twice. (laughs) And how did you feel when you got the feedback that told you you needed to modify? It was really difficult. It was really, really difficult. And I would say it probably took me, a solid few months to really process it. I think I went through, you know, some stages of grief. And I talk about this in um, some content that I've put out there in in a book called Women Leading, where I just kind of share my story. And the feedback that I got was that I was a bully. And it was because I had come from spending three years working with this military organization where it was all about efficiency and just communicating quickly and just getting to the point. And I brought that forward thinking that that was the right way to communicate. Mm -hmm. And so I had done this 360 after I'd been with this new company for about a year. And there was some feedback that I was a bully on, on that 360. And that was really difficult to hear. It was, um, it was nothing I had expected. It really kind of blew my mind. I had no idea that I was making people feel unvalued or disrespected or that I was hurting people. I was hurting colleagues or I was hurting um, some people on my team with my communication and leadership style. So it took time, but I was really committed to becoming a better leader. And so I asked some people to hold me accountable. I reached out to everybody who had completed the 360 and I said, you know, I just owned it. I said, thank you for the feedback. This is what I heard and this is what I'm going to work on. And I asked them to hold me accountable as well. And you don't change overnight. Like it's something that I still, I still have to be really mindful of, but it was a gift to receive the feedback. And so I think if as a woman leader in business, we want to 
to succeed and to move up the ranks, we need to, to be open to receiving feedback, both good and bad. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Well, that has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for sharing, especially that painful story of receiving feedback. Um, I know everyone listening will totally relate to that moment in time that we saw something about ourselves that we didn't know uh, and we probably didn't want to hear. Um, but, you know, it's great to hear how you turn that into a positive. I really praise you for your awareness because to me, since I've known you, I've never thought for a second that's an alpha female <laughs> that's going to... Um, frighten me because you've always been so open and kind and caring so whatever you've done to work on that side of, of your leadership style today you come across wonderfully balanced so thank you thank so you. much for your time today thanks and Claire I really appreciate that you're welcome you're welcome and um thanks to Joachim Thorne who's been our producer today and Effectly and thank you to everybody that listened along can't wait to see you again next week thanks everyone thanks Chanel bye bye Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please do join us at womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next week when I'll be talking to a woman from South Africa who's fusing design and business analysis to solve customer and employee challenges and transform CX. See you there.